saying that I'm Tom Petty. I'm just saying I'm McGraw Millhaven. Good morning. Good afternoon. <laughs> oh, I just love, I just love how uh, the old, the old broadcasting habit in you. You know how, how you just can't get over that. Hey, good morning. It's a, it's a good looking Thursday morning. How are you today? As so we get you on the drive, as we get you on the drive to work here. When my, uh, when my sisters were in town for that, I don't know, whatever, for the uh, July Fourth weekend, I came downstairs. And I was like, good morning. And they turned to me and they're like, good morning this morning. I was like, oh my goodness. What, what have I created? Yeah. 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 You, you and your you and your radio clut, uh, crutches that you use. Yes. Anyway, this is a podcast. Uh, unless, of course, you're listening on KTRS. So we also air it at night on Thursday nights on KTRS. But uh, this is a podcast. And therefore, hello to you, however you're listening. Uh, so I uh, I thought of you. I thought of you this week. And and I felt sorry for you actually because I I got I got to look into your future. Oh boy! There was a study that showed that men that aren't getting sex in their middle ages end up with a higher risk of dementia. So you know, I just like figured, oh my god, you're going to be dealing with dementia here in a few years. Who says I'm not dealing with it right now? <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Who does these studies? You know, it's like, oh, uh, let's see, uh, uh, Grandpa, you got dementia. Um, how how were you in the forties? You know, did did you get any? Uh, I don't remember. Okay, we'll put that down as a no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I got a call today on the radio show from a guy who wanted to explain what the deep state was. Oh, good. Because I've been I've been trying to figure out what the deep state uh, was for years now. So we have the deep state explained. And you know what? Huh. What was scary was I agreed with him. <laughs> well, then tell me so we can all agree. What what just what is the deep state? He's, now, again, I'm paraphrasing, but I think the guy's name was uh, uh, Ty- Tyrese, maybe Tyrese. And he said that. Um, he said, well, for example, it's the FBI, it's the CIA. And I was like, wait a minute, the whole FBI? He goes, not all of them. He says, but the people who investigated, you know, uh, the leaders in the civil rights movement back in the 60s, that's the, the the deep state. The people who were upset with what Kennedy was trying to do, who, you know, got in his way, the the, the civil servants and the, the people who worked at the CIA who who didn't like what Ronald Reagan was trying to do. So they sort of jammed him up. And the people who were upset with what Obama was trying to do, so they leaked these documents. And the guy went on and on. And I said, well, yeah, that happened. And yeah, that happened. And yeah, that happened. And that happened as well. And he's like, so that's the deep state. And I was like, well, you know, I kind of agree with that. There's, there's a portion of the civil servants that kind of go rogue and you know, kind of do their own thing and kind of break the laws to sort of, you know, curry favor with whatever their opinion is that's not necessarily elected by anybody. Well, first of all, first of all, okay, so now here's part of the problem. Okay, the deep state, which makes it sound like it's all this well-organized machine. You're right. It could be two people that went rogue and caused the problem. Okay, so that's not that's hardly a big conspiracy out there to control the government. Um, you know, I mean, the, the whole idea of the deep state to me, it, it's it's ludicrous only in that only in that it would just take so much organization and planning and uh cooperation and silence 
to be able to pull off all of these things that, uh, you know, you want to blame on some big nefarious uh, government organization that is out there to ruin the uh, the common person. Well, no, I don't think to ruin the common person, but ruin what the elected officials were elected to try and do, right? Take it to the state level, right? I know, um, I think Nebraska has term limits, right? Missouri yeah. does. Yeah. And so because you have term limits, the legislators go down to Lincoln or Jefferson City and they're there for eight years. So they have no incentive to negotiate with the other side. Their whole goal is to get either to their next job or to become a lobbyist, whereas they're gone in eight years, but the civil servants remain. So who's the expert on how government runs? Not the elected officials, but the, the people who are unelected, who are state employees or, or the lobbyists. And so they really have the real power and the elected officials are sort of neutered because they're not there long enough to figure out how the game's played. Except for the fact that, yeah, those people you're talking about are abiding by the rules set up by the elected officials. You're sometimes, right. Sometimes. Give me an example. Sometimes, oh, um, also all sorts of things that sort of get pushed on the back burner or not taken care of immediately. I mean, the truth is, does anybody really know how the Department of Motor Vehicle works? Not the elected officials, not the people who go there. They're the state officials. And they seem to just arbitrarily decide when and if I get my license plates. Okay. Do you know how a podcast works? Did no. That mean, does that, okay. Does that mean that who's ever in control of the techni uh, technical aspects of this is our deep state? No. I, no. I, I, see, I'm not buying into this, McGraw. I'm mm. not buying into this, this this whole deep state thing because because yeah, you're right. We've got we've got civil servants that sort of keep the train on its tracks, and God bless them for it. Okay. Yeah. So do I know how the Department of Motor Vehicle works? Yeah, I know how it works. Very slowly, I stand in line, I hand them some money, they hand me a little sticker to put on my license plate, and I can drive for another year, okay? They keep track of, of, of taxes and, 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 and revenue, and they do their job, okay? That doesn't mean they're part of the deep state, that just means they're part of, you want to call it a bureaucracy? If, if you want to say that bureaucracy and deep state are interchangeable, uh, okay, maybe, you know, but otherwise, uh, the deep state is one of those those bogus things that, that they put out there just to create some boogeyman that, uh, that I don't think is, uh, is a reality. All right. For example, Oliver North is a definition of the deep state back in Iran-Contra, right? The Congress passed a law signed by the president that they weren't going to do anything to help uh, the Contras in South America. And... Oliver North said, I don't believe in that philosophy. So he helped concoct the whole Iran for hostages uh, money and then use that money to then um, fund the Contras uh, in South America. That is a classic example of somebody going rogue, going, right? He's uh, part of the government. He's part of the government. Not, but that's not deep state. Deep state would be, deep, deep state would be if he didn't get caught. You know, if he didn't get caught and anybody investigating him was murdered, that would be a deep state thing. Deep state is, okay, this guy went rogue. He got caught. He got busted. He he, he wound up <laughs> he wound up being charged. And then he wound up being a radio torture host because <laughs> back in that era, that's all that happened to all because, government officials that were caught in. Uh... Because he was deep state. You know, look, 
the the G Gordon Liddy deep state right begging the the Watergate Hotel. The point is this: is these are the things we know about. What are the things we don't know about? Ooh. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Boy, you you must not have had a lot of sex when you were. <laughs> Over the last twenty years, I'm just saying. What does, uh, that, have to, what does that have to do with anything? You're already in dementia. You're already in dementia. Oh. Yeah, got love. Uh, but 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 to to some extent here though, you know what what we don't know. Here's the thing that's been really been um, been ticking me off here, uh, the last uh, day day or so. So we had a thing here in Nebraska where the Chamber of Commerce brings all the elected officials in. And then various business people can go and meet with the officials and and talk about, you know, uh, business dealings and talk about the economy and talk about what's going on in Washington. So they got a better idea for their jobs. So we had this um, we had the fly in uh, this past week. And the chamber and business people were telling our senators, telling them, saying, hey, we need more workers. You got to work on immigration because we need more workers. We need more workers for our um for our farms for our packing plants we need more right so they're telling the senators this and you know what Deb Fisher God love her good old Republican senator you know what she says she says well we have to secure the border I'm all for bringing in more legal workers but first we got to secure the border well you know what they never define what secure the border means. Just what is secure? What's the number? Because it's never going to be a hundred percent. You're never. I mean, people escape from prison, so it's never going to be one hundred percent. They're not going to get across the border. So what is the number? And what does it mean? And does that have to be that totally secure before you do anything about the labor shortage? Do you before you change some laws for the dreamers so they can live and and work in in peace and not in fear? I mean, this the you know you say what well, we don't know. What we don't know is just what secure the border means and yet these politicians use it all the time um to uh just say that uh, uh they can't do anything about any any other bo- um immigration legislation until we until we do that first it, it was interesting how the republican party went from being business friendly right and sort of the adult in the room and now the you know the the club for growth and the, the commerce the Chamber of Commerce are all pulling their hair out, and these businesses are pulling their hair out, saying we don't have a functioning party. Which is why they, they you find themselves going to the Democratic Party because at least they can get a response out of them. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the companies we are in a serious. I went to a restaurant the other day, uh, Sunday morning for brunch. We walked in. There was an hour wait, and we looked at the at the restaurant, and it was half full. And the other, the the part that was empty, there were dishes piled up in all the places. And I'm like, it wouldn't be an hour wait if you clean off some of the tables. And they said, there's nobody here to clean off the tables. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like we're we're stunting our own growth by these arcane slogans that don't make any sense. And, and instead of sitting down and having a conversation. In terms of immigration, what do we need in terms of workers to sustain our way of life? Well, what we need is to secure the border. That's 
That's what we need. Uh, whatever, whatever that means, uh, that's what we need. Hey, let's take a quick, quick break. She's, cr- she's crying. Can you go to a break and I'll come back in a second. We'll take a quick break, but Ross, I'm going to go be a dad and we will return in just a moment. This is Beck and Millie. even just saying on the big 550 KTRS. We are back. This is Beckett Millhaven just saying. I am Tom Beckett. He's Bedraw Millhaven. I'm in Omaha. He's in St. Louis. Um, and, and we were we were talking about the uh, the labor shortage and 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 the problems and how you know our government won't do anything about it. But on the other hand, I mean, as we look to the future here, and so much of artificial intelligence, what it's going to be doing is this labor shortage really just going to be a short term thing, and in you know five years. Half the jobs wiped out by computers, and therefore um, we won't need as many uh, as, as many people out there uh, doing the work. I was uh, saw a study this week that said that fast food jobs, the fast food industry, is planning on having 3.7 million jobs unfulfilled in the fast food market, and they're turning to robots to make the food, to flip the burgers, to cook the French fries because they mm-hmm. just don't have the they just don't have the workers, they just what? they don't have them. And of course, uh, some would say, "Well, that's because they don't pay enough." But then again, well, nobody wants to pay twelve fifty for a fast food burger, right? Yeah, so it's a it's the yin and the yang. Yeah, um, it, but I mean, it's it's more than that. It's 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 the 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 politicians would rather have the argument than the solution to this. Mm-hmm. If they if they solve the problem, then they won't be able to run on it, and and they won't be able to bash the other guy for it. And, and not just on this problem, but on so many other problems. Right. You know, it's, it's the the idea. I mean, politics is supposed to be the art of compromise, and that seems to be something that we've lost in this day and age, which needs to come back. And compromise doesn't mean that you always bend over and the other guy gets everything they want. Compromise means that, you know, you both work together, find a, a common goal and see how you can meet that common goal. And, and and a common goal should be that businesses, whether they are, you know, whether you're you're liberal or conservative, that our economy is strong and businesses have employees and people are able to feed their families and put a roof over their head. That should be a common goal for everyone. And uh, and yet for some uh, some reason, sometimes it seems like it's not. Well, because you, you make more money buy and more clicks and more more fun right the, the parties are gone so the parties can't keep these people in line and you make more money being a lauren bobert or a cory bush or a, you know marjorie taylor green than you do somebody who you know like a adam kinzinger who tries to get something done the incentive uh. the the incentive isn't there to 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 compromise there's no incentive for it boy i hate it when you're right no, as uh, usual. Yeah, you know, I, 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 you're right. I mean, that, that's, that's just it. And I also hate that money has got to be such an important factor. Look, I, I like money as much as the next person, and I've had a, you know, a pretty good life. You know, relatively comfortable. I mean, I, you know, haven't, uh, you know, with a short term, uh, time in my early days when I was uh, completely flat broke. But uh, overall, I've done okay for myself. You know, I got a roof over my head, food on the table, but. There's so much, and I don't want to say greed, but so much attention put on money that I think a lot of good things get lost along the way. Let's take, for instance, 
what's happening right now in college sports. You, me, and some other friends got into a group text this morning about what's happening with, uh, you know, the, the Big Ten, what's happening with these other uh, conferences where they're bringing in all these other teams where sooner or later it's all going to be the, just one big conference with uh, name, image, and likeness and uh, the transfer portal. So the the whole the whole wholesomeness of college sports has been lost. Is that fair to say? Well, here's the thing with college football, and I, I, I agree and have been complaining for years that the athletes should make money. I've been complaining for years that the athletes should be able to have free agency the way the um, the way the coaches do, but um, the you know what I didn't anticipate was all the unintended consequences of this. Um, you have no loyalty to the school. You have no loyalty to the team. Um, you you have right. There's a quarterback who, you know, doesn't play as a freshman, sophomore, junior, struggles to get on the field, right, waits for his senior year, right? Now that 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 quarterback goes to five different schools, right? I mean, there's there's no there's no continuity. There's no that whole college experience of dedicating right to the to the to old state U is gone. And you know, kind of like college basketball, right? One and done. There's no no I it I don't know. It's just then these conferences, I'm sorry, but is anybody really dying to see Washington versus Rutgers? And and you're going to have these players travel across the country? Okay, on a football Saturday, that's one thing. But what about the basketball players who are playing Mondays and Fridays? Or the baseball team, or the track and field team, or the, or the soccer teams that have to travel across the country and, and still go to class? The whole thing's ridiculous. Well, you were a college athlete. I mean, you were a college athlete back in the old Big 12 days, right? Big eight, Nebraska, days, baby. When Nebraska, big eight. Oh, you're the big eight. Oh, big so eight, you're, baby. You're, you're really old school. Old school, baby. Big eight. You're, no, you're, old school's big seven. Big eight's <laughs> big eight's great. So I mean, yeah. So what would you have done? I mean, because you had a pretty good uh, career there at Nebraska as a pitcher, but it wasn't stellar. I mean, you know, would you have transferred? Would you have, or do you think you would have gotten some money on the name image like this? What what? How do you think it would have worked out if? Uh, you were pitching today with uh, your record and your uh, talents. Well, first of all, I was tremendously average. It's okay. So <laughs> let's just put it that way. <laughs> um, you know what? One of the things, because baseball, baseball is a, a little different. Baseball, you're more, you know, oftentimes you go to a junior college, then you end up going to a four-year school. So baseball is a little bit more transient um, than the other sports, but the lat I wanted to go to a school. Hold on a second. What what is going on? What do you need? Uh, the the uh, McGraw as his uh, daughter Emerson has just walked into the room. Hello, what Emerson. You Can you say hi? Can you say hi? Hi, Emerson. Hi. What do you, what do you need from Daddy? You need a snack. What do you want? Goldfish. You want some goldfish? Yeah. Oh my goodness! Can you wait five minutes and I can get you a goldfish? We have a commercial. Um, we we have a commercial from our sponsors coming up in just a minute. Can you wait for that? Say yes. N say no. <laughs> I'll get you goldfish in one second. So my point was: be quiet. Daddy's working. Daddy has making a very important point. 
One of I love, the, I love the look she just gave you. I wish I wish the audience could see this. She, she just gave you a side-eyed glance and said, "Like, oh yeah, She's whatever, like, Dad." Yeah, Dad, I want my goldfish. What are you talking about? Yeah. Um, no, I went to Nebraska and I wanted to stay and have a place to call my own, to be my home, to be my you know, to have my history, to have my alma mater, to be my. My my old state you, right? I wanted to be mm -hmm. an old fat guy trying to get into my letterman jacket and have great memories of my four years, turned out to be five, you know, at, at a university. That's that's what I wanted. So no, I wouldn't have. And that's why I think we're sort of doing a disservice because how many players, you know, show up on a freshman and they're like, you, you can't play or you're not ready to play. Oh, I want to go play somewhere else. So I'm not denying them the chance to play. But what about the sort of perseverance and I'm going to, you know, work and get better and and wait for my opportunity as a junior or senior? So I don't know. It, it's a whole new world. You know, I get the coaches come and go and leave and take their millions and everything else. And the players should be able to. I don't know. I, I, I there's sort of we're watching college football and college sports be destroyed right before our very eyes. Well, I mean, the same thing. It's, I mean, really, college sports is now no different than pro sports because this has happened with pro sports now for years. Where it used to be, I mean, look, you know, you're a you're an old Mets fan, and I'm an old uh, Cleveland Indians fan. You know, where you had players that stayed with the team. They they actually not only stayed with the team, they um were the um the, they were the face of the team. They were the the image of the team. You know, whether it be whether it be a um uh. Uh, Rocky Colavito with the Indians back in the day, or I was gonna say Tom Seaver, but they traded Tom Seaver, didn't they? They did uh, the Midnight Massacre in June. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But but basically, uh, you know, when you had players that would stay with the team, you know, George Brett in Kansas City, for instance, and they don't have that anymore. So really, college sports has just turned into uh into pro sports, just at a uh, at a lower level. Yeah, well, and I mean, look, I can't begrudge them the money. I know they get it. I, I, I wish them well. I want them to get it. Um, they deserve it, right? The coaches don't deserve to make $10 million. But here's the interesting thing about college sports. They keep chasing all this money, and they're making more and more money. But there's only a few athletic departments that are actually making money. They just make more money, and they spend more. They get bigger facilities. They pay the coaches more. They, they, they fire the coaches, so they're paying three coaches off while they're hiring the fourth one. So in actuality, they might be making more money, but it's not going towards anything. It's just this sort of never-ending cycle. And let me throw this on top of you. Television and their TV rights are imploding. People are turning off cable in droves. Yeah. So they keep chasing this money. And if TV is the revenue generator of all this, again, I'm not so sure – Nebraska Rutgers is such a big game everybody wants to see. They want to see, you know, at least here in the Midwest, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Nebraska, Missouri, right? Michigan, Ohio State. Who really cares about Michigan, Oregon? I guess once in a while, but every year? I don't I don't get it. Well, that's where the people that can't afford the the uh, the, the the great game tickets, you know, that's the people that go and say, "Hey, uh I got a couple extra tickets here. You take your your friend to go see um yeah, Nebraska Rutgers, you know, um, you know, or or Maryland and uh, and Rutgers or whatever. Yeah, you know, just uh, some of these teams that have no tradition with the league, no tradition. I mean, you talk about Ohio State, Michigan. My goodness, that was that is probably 
one of the all-time, if not the all-time great rivalry. I can't, I, just, I, can't, I can't think of a better rivalry than Ohio State and Michigan. A great, one of the greats, absolutely. But, I mean, each each school has that. Each school has their own rivalry. But in Missouri, they're trying to get a Missouri-Arkansas, and, you know, nobody really cares. It's a Missouri-Kansas. That was their big rival, right? Um, everyone's trying to get a Nebraska-Iowa. That's really, they're just sort of, you know, you're sort of pretending to hate the other team. I, I really think this. They really should just separate football from the rest of the world, right? Have your football conference, but then keep the Pac-10 for basketball and baseball and soccer and all the other, right? Keep the Big Ten, the Big Ten with the the secondary sports. Treat college football differently. Why does the baseball team have to travel to Washington and Oregon and UCLA? Can't they go to Missouri and Wichita and Iowa State. I mean, why do they have to travel halfway across the world? Uh, well, they do that in some uh, in some leagues. They will yeah. do that where uh, you know the, uh, the football I mean, teams in one and not in the other. Yeah, because I like. I mean, does doesn't Notre Dame Notre Dame belongs to a league, just not in football, right? Yeah, they belong to the ACC, but they're yeah. independent in football. Yeah, yeah. So, so that that is happening. So, um, I don't know, but uh, anyway. Uh, You've got a, a hungry kid that needs goldfish, and we got to take another break here. When we return, I do want to talk about this a little bit. Not much, not much, just a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about uh, the impending, uh, uh, the, the the latest charges against our former president as Georgia gets ready to finally announce uh, what they found out. Uh, we'll just talk about that for a little bit because I know most people are like sick and tired of uh, Trump stuff and that, but we'll do that for just a moment. And then back in a second, this is Beckett Milhaven just saying on the big 550 KTRS. We are back. This is Beckett Milhaven just saying I'm Tom Beckett. He's McGraw Milhaven. So I said this before the break. I don't want to talk about this a lot, but I think you almost have to talk about it. Uh, Georgia says that uh, looks like they're going to finally come down with their charges against uh, the, the former president. Uh, are, are people just so over it that they don't even care anymore? Or is it a thing where uh, all these charges are finally starting to have some uh, impact on Donald Trump? Yeah, that's a good question. I think there's a part of the country that Donald Trump is a drug. They, they can't quit watching and they love him and can't quit watching and they hate him and they can't quit watching. And I, th he's become the greatest reality show ever invented. And with high stakes, it's like the Truman show where the whole country is sort of caught. They're tired of it and they watch. I don't want to, I don't want to hear about it, but they can't look away. I, I, I it's, it's, you know, it's just another interesting chapter in the reality show. I don't necessarily disagree with you. And I do think that Donald Trump is a drug. I mean, I will admit, man, I, I got a rush and I'm not a Trump fan, but I would always get a rush with all this stuff. And I would, I would get the endorphins would be kicking in and, and that, but so I was, I was always like glued to the news. What's Trump up to now? Blah, 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 blah. But then I got sick and tired of being sick and tired, just like any other drug or any other addiction. At some point in time, you hit rock bottom, and it's like I just—I—I I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm—I'm I'm paying attention because it's sort of my job, but at the same time, it's like I—I I, I don't know. I don't—I don't know that. Well, the the ratings for cable news 
have never been better the last three weeks since since these two indictments are coming down. And, you know, now it's every every hearing and every judge's ruling and every this. It's a drug and you can't you can't look away. It it just is. And and I don't know if who knows how it's going to end. Stay tuned for the stunning conclusion. That's what makes it. That's what that's what makes it who shot Jr. Right. I mean, how is this going to end? It's it's reality television because it's democracy in the balance. You know, it's the is your side going to win or is my side going to win? Is is evil going to win or is or is the good guy going to win? And both sides thinks the other side is evil. Uh, yeah, I wound up uh, last week, last Friday, um, just coincidentally, I wound up having a cocktail with the chief operating officer of Truth Social, Andrew Northwall. He's from Nebraska originally. He was in town uh, visiting his kids and uh, ran into him. And we had a conversation. And it's amazing how he says that you know, the truth social bears no responsibility for anything anybody puts out there. And I, I don't see how that, I don't see how that can be true. I don't see how you can, cannot have any responsibility for what people put out. Um, you, you've got to, at some point in time, be an adult, don't you? And say, look, what you're saying is hurting people. What you're saying is not based in fact. What you're saying is racist. What you're saying is, is troublesome. I mean, does, doesn't somebody have to be in charge on this sort of a thing? Isn't it amazing that 20 years ago, um, the country melted down because CBS aired Janet Jackson's nipple for one one hundredth of a second. And CBS was fined. And you and I had to go through meeting after meeting after meeting about what is acceptable and what isn't acceptable. And this is the downfall of Western civilization because on a family show during the Super Bowl, a uh, nipple was exposed for half a second. And now we have broadcast entities saying, you can say anything you want, whenever you want, however you want it. You can say the most racist, vile things. Facebook Live can broadcast a murder on Facebook Live. And it's like, well, what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. Well, Facebook, I mean, what, Facebook well, then once they realize the murder is being committed, they take it down. I mean, well, yeah, so did CBS. Friends. The minute CBS realized there was a nipple for one one hundredth of a second, they changed the shot. It didn't stop the outrage from the nipple being shown. Facebook Live shows murders. People are broadcasting murders, and people are like, oh, yeah, well, that's not Facebook's fault. Uh, I got uh, let, Let's tell a little bit of behind-the-scenes story here about that whole Janet Jackson nipple thing, because that was a bizarre, a bizarre uh, time in my career. Because you're right, we had meetings after meetings after meetings. You worked for a different company than I did, but we all had meetings where we had to sit in there and have serious discussions with a lawyer. So we, I was doing talk radio, but our company had uh, a classic rock station in the mix, so they were in the, in the meeting as well. And they had a lawyer actually sit down. One of the guys was asking about, can we play the Led Zeppelin song where they say the line, squeeze my lemon till the juice runs dry. Because it was a thing. It's like, is that too suggestive? Is that too dirty? You know, what What can we cannot? And we're having like adult serious conversations about this sort of a thing. You know, about what you can and cannot say. And it was um, uh, it was bizarre almost how surreal it was about how people were so freaked out about not trying to offend 
that might cause uh, our employer, uh, you know, to be fined an ungodly amount of money and uh, us right. to uh, lose our jobs. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's and but 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 today we have the guy who runs Truth Social or Twitter saying, "Well, anything goes. Uh, it doesn't matter. It's free speech." But yeah. But you know what? There should be some. Uh, the problem is, I, you know, who's the arbiter of this? Is it me or you or whoever? Well, but it shouldn't be Elon Musk or 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 Zuckerberg. When did they decide and become the 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 arbiter of what is and isn't? I, I mean, it, you see, television is highly regulated. You can't say curse words on television, but I can switch the channel to MSNBC and they can say every curse word known to man. There's no rhyme or reason for any. It, it doesn't make any sense. But you ask, you know, how Zuckerberg or uh, Musk, how they're the arbiter of, uh, you know, free speech and good taste. But that was always the case. I mean, you, the, you had, you know, the publishers of the New York Times, the Washington Post, your local newspapers. Uh, they were the ones that were deciding that, right? I mean, uh, there was more of a um, uh, perhaps penalty yeah. pre- penalty if they if they put out stuff that was too. Um, yes, but the Washington Post mostly dealt with Washington. The New York Times mostly dealt with New York. Person in Omaha wasn't reading the New York Times. The Omaha World Herald was responsible for the community standards of the Omaha World Herald. The Philadelphia Inquirer was responsible for the uh, community standards of Philadelphia. Facebook is the arbiter for everything all over the world instantaneously. It's nuts. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, think about this. I mean, think about Lenny Bruce, Lenny Bruce told jokes at midnight and a comedy club and was arrested because he was, he was defaming uh, community standards at midnight at a comedy club. He was using words that were inappropriate. And now we have people you know, who go on TikTok and say the most vile things in the world, and nobody cares. It's so weird. Uh, it is. <laughs> you're right about that. It is so weird. I, and I certainly don't want to go back to the days of Lenny Bruce, you know, getting arrested. Uh, but, um, you know, but I guess it's the old thing. You know, there's a, there's a line there somewhere, and I know it when I see it. Well, you know, the other thing, too, is, you know, these these there's a story uh, here locally. Um about, uh, you know, we're all dealing with these book bans, right? We're going to ban these books in the library because it's, you know, the Dewey's decimal system has gone crazy. But the amount of child pornography and the amount of revenge porn and the sexification of the internet with young children has exploded to where they're talking about 30 million inquiries into the child hotline for, you know, exploited children. And... Uh, parents still give their kids phones so they can be TikTok stars. If if you knew that these children were being exploited, you know, you don't want them to go to the public library, but you give them a phone with TikTok? You've got got your little daughter there who's, what, three years old, right? Just just turned three. And at some point in time, at some point in time, Emerson there is going to be seven, eight, nine, and all of her friends are going to have phones and she's going to want to have a phone, Daddy. And yep. she's going to want to have she's going to want to have whatever the uh, the equivalent of TikTok is uh, somewhere in the future. She's going to want to have that, and Lord knows it's probably going to be a hundred times worse than what we have now. So, what do you do, Dad? Well, that's that's my question. Why are all these parents screaming about getting rid of books in the library, 
And then they say, be quiet, play on your TikTok. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. And and why does TikTok allowed to have child pornography images all over their 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 platforms again i go back to 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 janet jackson people melted down over janet jackson but 30 million images on the internet of child stuff is okay right i mean it just doesn't make any sense well a lot of things don't make sense and that's why we're here to try to make sense out of this crazy world of ours and uh uh, i don't know i think i i think we may have uh gotten into our time i i lost complete track of our time on this because we had to take all the breaks so that you could go and be a dad and uh, and take care of Emerson. Um, well, that's just great. So uh, I'm I'm assuming that we're close to our time. Um, right. So and, and Emerson, what is just turned three? Just turned three. Okay, so what? What's been uh, now? This is your first and only child. Uh, you were a father late in life. What's been the biggest surprise or the biggest? Thing you weren't prepared for as a as a dad as emerson now is becoming slowly but surely her own person if it were if i knew it was this much fun i would have done it years earlier really yeah yeah would have stopped hanging around you and would have found a wife to have my child <laughs> i don't think i was keeping you from finding a wife yes you I, were because the women looked at you and recoiled in horror and said, oh. if that guy's your friend. No, no. Uh, matter of fact, yeah, yeah, it was my fault. It was my fault that a woman you were dating said, when you wanted to break up with her, when you wanted to break up with her, it's my fault that she said, ladies and gentlemen, this is one of the funniest things ever. McGraw wanted to break up with this woman, and she said, I've never, bro- I've never had someone break up with me, and I'm certainly not going to start with someone like you, not you, someone like you. Okay, first and that of all, was I, and that was my fault. First of all, I wasn't dating her. I went on one date with her, and I was like, "This isn't going to work." And she was like, "Yeah, that's not happening." So, anyway, the bo- the bottom line is this: if I would have <laughs> known how much fun it was or is, I would have done this earlier in life. She's an a. They're angels. They're angels, and I am petrified over what she is facing in terms of not just forget the stranger on the bus or in the white van. I'm petrified of the person who's on the phone, who's in her bedroom with her on the phone, right? Because you can access every pedophile known to the known world when she's in her bed at two o'clock in the afternoon when she has her phone. Now, this becomes interesting to me because I'm not, I'm by no way, shape, or form am I ever going to say there's no such things as pedophiles out on the phone. But at the same time, is the fear relative to the reality? You know, it's like it's like that it's like that it's like it's like that movie um um oh about the child uh, yeah uh, the McMenamin case in California. Yeah, where they where they thought that they were pedophile daycare and everything else and whatever else. Look, uh, Tom, I would advise you before you put your foot in your mouth to go do a little research on what the exploited uh, children's associations are saying about social media and how these kids are duped into sending pictures and then uh, blackmailed into sending more or I'm going to release them to the public or I'm going to tell your parents 
So they, they're 11 year olds and, and 10 year olds who are in a world that they don't understand. They think they're dealing with, you know, an, uh, another 10 year old and they're dealing with a 40 year old. Mm -hmm. You know, there are, there are these children who are just not equipped with the skills. Heck, parents aren't adept with the skills for social media. How do we expect a 10 year old? We don't allow 10 year olds to go into casinos because their brains aren't developed. And the, 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 the problem in this country is so terrible and so exponential. It is shocking to me that we care about books in a library and not the millions and millions of images on the internet that are being uploaded every day for kids to be taken advantage of. But I also think I will go, and, I, and I'm, not, I'm not denying what you're saying. I'm just wondering about, you know, how much attention has gotten versus the reality of the problem? Uh, for instance, for instance, you know the, the people that are all upset and all freaked out about some drag queen reading their kid a Dr. Seuss book. Okay, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, you know that to me Again, is not that's a threat. Not, that's not a threat, but but you know what? When a parent talks about going into the kid's room and the the 11 year old is caught filming themselves to upload it to some website somewhere because they're because they've been uh, blackmailed into doing this because they, they've already sent them one picture and they're being taken advantage of, you're allowing the predator into the bedroom of the 10-year-old because you're giving them not just a phone, you're giving them the World Wide Web, you're giving them everybody at their fingertips. And no one's talking about that. Oh, we just did. And, uh, and on that note, on that, on that uplifting note, uh, we will uh, do this again next week. As always, a, a pleasure talking to you, my friend. And it was a good seeing Emerson. I've not seen her in a long time. Uh, she really has grown. Yes, that's what kids do when they get to be three. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to keep her away from her Uncle Tom. Why don't you come down to St. Louis and do the show live? Uh, I'll, I'll come down one of these days. I'll come down there. I haven't been on there in a while, so I'll come down one of these days soon. So Fair anyway, enough. all right, until uh, next time, I'm Tom Becker. Thank you for your time. I'm a Grand Millhaven. Big fan. Huda Media Production.